to the Gym Podcast. Uncut, unfiltered, unreal. Welcome to the Gym Podcast. Welcome back, folks. Once again. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Episode two, week one. Episode two, week one. Of course, I am host (laughs) Jimbo Fisher. Joining me is co-host Randy Darsh. Randy Darsh. And we have a special guest today. We have the one, the only, that guy 97. What's going on, everybody? It's great to be here. It's super hype. <laughs> Just for the listeners, can you tell us what is your general fandoms? Because I see that you sometimes go between a couple teams. I just want to know what your fandoms are, other than the Tennessee Tech Golden Eagles. <laughs> yes, other there's I can confuse a lot of people. Sometimes I confuse myself, but I'm an Ohio State fan first, an Auburn fan second, and a Tennessee Tech fan third. Yeah. Tennessee Tech third because I go to the school and the tuition for Auburn and Ohio State. Uh, not exactly something I could pay for. <laughs> Fair enough. It seems like you, you're like something of a rival between our two schools, Wisconsin and Alabama, to an extent. So, you know, we'll, we'll try right. and keep a friendly environment today. But just, you know. We like to have a little bit of diversity of opinions. It's nice to get yeah. out of our, our echo chamber a little bit. A little bit. Yes, yes. <laughs> just a little bit. So are you guys ready for a week zero recap? I know we have the obvious game that we're going to talk about that everybody knows is coming. Of course. Oh, man. You, do we want to talk about some other games first before we get to that? Well, yes. Well, I, yeah, I think that guy, I'll let you lead this off. I unfortunately couldn't watch any games last weekend. I was out on a vacation, so uh, I was only the highlights. <laughs> I was able to stream. Um, one game I saw the second half of that I was surprised by was Vanderbilt not having an ugly win over Hawaii. See, I actually picked Vanderbilt in this game and thought it'd be some 23-17 kind of slugfest. Yeah. But I was pretty impressed that they showed a pulse, not because of Hawaii's ability or inabilities, but simply because Vanderbilt was able to impose their will on an, op- on an opponent. And I think for a Clark Lee's second year, that's a, that's a good start. It, you know, it's just Hawaii, but it's a good start. 63-10. So, that's a great start, because I remember on yesterday or last week's episode... If you want to remind the viewers, Jimbo. No, I, well, I mean, close, so. but I don't think <laughs> Vanderbilt's going to have much of a chance against Hawaii. Hawaii's not even fairly decent. You think Hawaii's going to win? I, I'm, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought it was the other way around. Okay, but... Vanderbilt is bad. So, yeah, I mean, Randy, like, I laughed at you when, um, you know, you implied that, that Vanderbilt would lose to Hawaii. And to be fair, when I went to bed, I went to bed that night, and Vanderbilt was down, like, by seven points. It was, like, seven to nothing, and I thought, oh, my God. Randy's going to be right. And then I wake up in the morning and the score is 63 to 10. Like, what the hell Honestly, happened? Honestly, <laughs> the fact that Vandy can put 63 on literally anybody, it doesn't even matter what the other team is. The fact right, that they that's kind of my points. Yeah, like, even just putting up 63 points in itself, no matter, even if it was against tackling dummies, is a big deal for Vandy. Yeah, tackling dummies. Yeah, I know. Right. I, I'm pretty shocked by how competent they looked, at least in the highlights from what I've seen. Um, so, Vandy, dude, I mean... Well, I- are you are you scared, Randy? Like, are you scared of, of Vanderbilt and the SEC? Yeah, I'm terrified. I'm terrified. All right. <laughs> Another game I wanted to talk about was Wyoming at Illinois. I know your favorite coach is Burt Bielema. Burt, Burt. Uh, he has yeah. Illinois humming, Burt. Coach Burt. So their offensive line actually looked decent. Tommy DeVito looks decent. He went 27 to 37, 200 yards, two touchdowns. They have a decent running back and i believe his name is chase brown he had 150 yards and two touchdowns i'm just saying Uh, illinois looks like illinois excuse me it looks like they're coming into their own and i believe they have a couple they play at indiana that's a game i'm going to talk about later but they play at wisconsin they're going to play iowa michigan state michigan listen they have some room for some great wins in there that guy i don't want to speak they struggled against them a couple years ago no i don't want to speak for you that guy but would you agree that um you're not scared of Illinois? Is, is anyone scared of Illinois right now? I think Illinois, people should be afraid of the fact that Illinois is competent. My only beef, quote-unquote, with the game yesterday is, you know, you just said the stat line, Randy. DeVito was like 24 30, for 37, uh, 200 yards, right? Yeah, 27, 37, 200 yards, two touchdowns. Right. You know, the only problem with that, I guess you think, from the game is, well, that means his yards per attempt was pretty low. But, you know, they moved the chain. You know, Illinois, they were kind of nonchalant offensively. They had some injuries, um, none super fatal to their season. But I was impressed as they took care of business. But the way they played offensively is not going to cut it against more middle to elite tier Big Ten West teams Agreed. or Big Ten in general. Agreed. It's well, wilding. It's wilding. With that being said, with right. the Big Ten in mind, 
I think we have an important Big Ten game we need to discuss. I think we do. It was obviously like the big story of the week. And if you've been on r slash CFB this entire like weekend, it's it's been nothing but clowning on Nebraska. Um, yeah, I mean, I, there's not much more to say. It feels <laughs> like it's just... I don't want to like, pile on, but I feel like we need to – literally all they had to do to win the game was not attempt an onside kick while up 11 points in the third I, quarter. However, I, I just – I got to get this out of my system. Please. You know, the thing that's getting me about Nebraska is I know Casey Thompson had a bad second half, I know, but I didn't think he was the overall huge problem yesterday. There were wide receiver drops, there were pre-snap penalties, missed tackles defensively. Probably, sorry to interrupt, but he was probably the high point of Nebraska. Like, their receiver awful. I don't know if I'm spoiled by Alabama's recent receiver play, but their receivers, (laughs) it's almost like they can't get separation, and when they finally do... They dropped so many balls. Right. In the first half, you know, there were some drops in the first half, but it wasn't fatal to the game in the first half. Nebraska was humming along. I, I think it's coaching. I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what oh, else yeah. to say about Nebraska. Everyone's already Frost, talking about I have a few them. things to say. Coaching, and it's, what, year five for Frost? Yeah. And listen, dude, in terms yeah. of, like, they have the talent. Um, I was looking this up on, like, the 24-7 talent composites. Um, they're currently number 23, like, overall um, talent in the nation. Uh, second yep. only Wisconsin of the Big Ten West. Um, so, like on paper, they should be able to compete with at least the Big Ten West. You know what I mean? It's a pretty, it's a pretty bad right. division. So, like the fact however, that effectively loses it, like it's un, it's unacceptable. <laughs> you know? Right now, however, you know one thing to keep in mind is they made it. They made Northwestern allow. Well, they allowed Northwestern over 500 yards of offense. I think that 514 yards of offense on the day Northwestern did, mm-hmm. which to me is just you know and northwestern played very conservatively in the fourth quarter i remember that basically every play was like the same i don't know what the name of the play is technically called but it was basically a run up the middle or a run in between like the left guard and the left tackle and they kept running that one play and it just kept working and they didn't like outside zone plays outside zone running plays yeah exactly it just kept tearing them up and it's like everybody's talking about well Pat Fitzgerald's playing so conservatively. And it's like, is he really playing conservatively or is he just running what works? Yeah. Right. I mean, it, and first off, the one takeaway, I just want to say so people kind of, you know, kind of keep their cool with it. I think that game said more about Nebraska than Northwestern. I don't mean the hate on the Wildcats here, but you, you know what I'm saying? I Northwestern. Totally they should have won. Right. Like they, in terms of talent, in terms of experience, like there's really no reason at this point that right. they. I'm just saying, I'm as not a, saying Northwestern's going to win the West now. <laughs> as a, I, was, I will say, the final thing I'll say before moving on is, as a non-Big Ten big watcher, I watch some of the games, but <laughs> my experience with Northwestern is that every couple of years, they do randomly win like 10 games. And yeah, win they do. This this ain't the year, uh, though. one of those years. This ain't the year. Um, I'll say this, mark your calendars for October 1st. Um, as some of you may know, that is the day that Scott Frost's buyout drops from $15 million a year to $7.5 million. So my, my hunch is like he's gone, right? And they're, they're just really right. just waiting for that day. So Which the, they restructure his contract, you know, not for uh, craps and giggles here. They restructure his contract to make firing him less painful. Yeah, and this to does. Be fair, so, to be fair, uh, the week before his quote-unquote buyout... Uh, he plays Oklahoma. And they're going to get destroyed, dude. It's going to be a legendary We exit. said that last year. We it's said that gonna, last year. Yeah, we said that last year. Okay, okay. It's the final happen. thing I'll throw out before we move on to week one. <laughs> what happens if he beats Oklahoma? Uh, I, actually, the worst thing. If you're a Nebraska fan, if they beat Oklahoma, that's actually really, really bad. You yeah. do not want Nebraska to win that game. You're stuck with them. Okay. Because then when he goes five and if he goes five and seven and beats Oklahoma, you can't fire him. Yeah. Well, you can, but yeah, I don't know. It's going to depend. It's going to, it's going to, I see what you're saying. I agree. I see what you're saying. All right. Lovely. Are we ready for week one? I believe so. I mean, there are so many games in week one that I think my game plan was just to kind of go in order, like chronologically, um, starting off Thursday night for the first time in 11 years, folks, 11 years, we've got, of course, the backyard brawl, West Virginia at number seventeen, Pitt. Uh, folks, this is this is gonna be a pretty fun game. Is that fair to say? It is. It, it this really game is. Fine. I'm gonna watch it. Well, I'll be in class, but I got a lot of <laughs> thoughts about it too. I have a there's I have Please a lot of share, thoughts about share. Slovis, That's especially. Why you're here, All right. Well, the the thing about Slovis to me that makes me curious is you know when he was at USC during Clay Helton's, you know, twilight years. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they hired Graham Harrell as offensive coordinator, and USC actually went to an air raid offense. 
True. Which is kind of hard to fathom, but they did. And the problem is that, you know, for Slovis to me, that I'm wondering how he's going to do is he's coming from that system with him and he's coming all the, he's going to Pittsburgh and, you know, Nebraska's offensive coordinator, funny enough, was Pittsburgh offensive coordinator last year. Really? So the question I kind of have, yeah, <laughs> the question I have with Slovis is how he's going to do with a totally new offensive system, you know, air raid to what Pitt runs is, is pretty different. So for sure, there's a lot more of a, it's going to be a more difficult road for Slovis um, than I think it's going to be for JT Daniels because yeah, yeah, for sure. Different place. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about JT fair. Daniels in this one. Like, I think, I, I think say, to be fair though, I remember Pitt had what Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison last year. They had the Belitkin off winner. They had Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can play offense and I think Pittsburgh knows how to adjust, especially Narduzzi knows how to adjust to having a quarterback and having wide receiver right. talent. I, yeah, in my mind though, JT Daniels. I mean, I I think he's just a more talented quarterback than Slovis, and I I, I think that like I, well, think, I think they're different are, quarterbacks. They are different, but I feel like people are sleeping on this dude. Like JT Daniels is an extremely highly rated you know recruit coming into college, and I, a lot of Georgia fans will say he was better than Stetson Bennett. You know, I I, I don't know. Like I feel like they deserve a bit more hype. Well, there was a time where he was. West Virginia is perpetually seven and five for the past decade, and to me, they're seven and five until they prove otherwise. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> Sorry, well, Saxon Steve. West West Virginia West Virginia needs this win more than Pittsburgh does because Neil Brown has not done totally bad or anything. But I think West Virginia. I mean, they beat Virginia Tech last year, uh, I think, but. No, no, I'm sorry. I love Virginia beat Virginia Tech. But my point is is that West Virginia, they could use a marquee win on, sure. a, on an opening week. They I really mean, just, just, to show, just to show that Neil Brown has to train rolling on the right track. For sure. Yeah. But no, All I right, think- another game I wanted to talk about that I took notes on was actually sure. Central Michigan at number 12, Oklahoma State. Now, the reason I bring this game up is Central Michigan is returning their sophomore quarterback, Daniel Richardson. They went 9-4 and four last year. Uh, Daniel Richardson had 24 touchdowns, six interceptions, 2,600 yards. Oklahoma State might have had a bit of a heartbreak in the offseason after barely missing the college football playoff. If you remember, they were a goal line stood up against by Baylor in the uh, Big 12 championship game after having the ball at first and goal in the one. Yep. All they had to do was score a touchdown to win. Um, so they're going to – I feel like that kind of emotional state could play into their offseason and they might, they might have a hard time really getting ready – for the right. first part of the season, they might have to play themselves into like mental game playing shape. Right. Also, don't forget the very exciting Central Michigan versus Oklahoma State game. Central Michigan does have a history of beating Power Five teams otherwise. So don't be surprised if this is in, in, intriguing and interesting of a game. I don't know. Well, they I'm, beat them last time they played. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. That amazing Hill Mary at the end there. Um, yes. I want to believe, Randy, but I mean, I'm looking here, and Vegas favors Oklahoma State by over 21 points. I mean, it would be a pretty pretty big upset in my mind. Uh, but definitely. Well, they could, cover. they could I cover. I think they can cover. I think they can cover I, I actually, at least put a scare into Oklahoma State. I'll, I actually will pick them covering. I think they do cover. Yeah, that's I mean, you know, week one jitters, right? Week yeah. one jitters are all exactly. over the place. Week one jitters. Love that. Um, one further game that I wanted to just talk about real quick for Thursday night um, is Penn State at Purdue. Um, listen, here in my mind, like overall heading, heading the season, it feels like people are like t- giving way too much love to Purdue and not enough to Penn State. Um, I think Sean Clifford at Penn State is like one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten. Um, probably the second best, in fact. And frankly, Penn State's loaded with talent. I, I think they, they dominate this game, and this is something of a, I want to say like a signature win because it's still Purdue. Like, it's not like it's a ranked win, but this is the kind of game that like Penn State could win by s- such a big margin mm-hmm. and so dominantly that it gets people talking. I, it's disrespect to Purdue, I'll admit it, but I think Penn State dominates this one. Well, I think mm-hmm. the thing about w- with Penn State is obviously, you know, their coach is not on the hot seat even a little bit. He just got his contract re-up last year. But, you know, last year was the first, I'm going to say, messy year under James Franklin. It was the first things just were not going in the right direction for whatever reason, either luck or unlucky. But I think one thing that's definitely true about Penn State this year is they're easily – they might be the most talented unranked team in the AP Top 25. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, there's just no way – Penn State, you know, com- you know, you can look 24, 247 composite. I don't care what you look at. I think they're the most talented unranked team in the country. They definitely are. The thing is, Purdue did go 9-4 and four last year. And if you remember, they had that very exciting bowl game 
in Tennessee where the meme was created, if you remember. Wow, yes. that's definitely game. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just I, I feel like people are sleeping on Penn State. Um, which which sounds really, funny to say, doesn't it? It does. And <laughs> it that's does why it's upsetting. Like, I don't understand. They should be at least top 25. So I think they will be after I, this game is what yeah. I'm saying. Because it should right. be a big win. Um, shall we move on then to Friday night? Unless there's any other games you boys want to talk about for Thursday? No? I'm well, Friday night. The oh. biggest Friday night game I wanted to talk about okay. is okay. that guy in 97. Are you ready? Drum roll. I'm ready. I, I'm, Tennessee uh, Tech uh, at Kansas. All right. So <laughs> yes, let's go. There's been talk on campus. There's been some uh, – it's been a low boil of hype. You know, some people don't care about the football program, but I know at least six people that do. So, you know, rock on, wings up, as we say over here. Um, <laughs> but Kansas has like four or five players that are – they're not starters, but they're second stringers, and they're suspended for the game, you know, violating the laws and all of that such. So I, I think they have a shot. I mean, Leopold at Kansas, you know, people really overhyped him as head coach, and Leopold's not a bad coach, but – you can become, you can be a good head coach, but be a bad head coach at Kansas. So that's fair. <laughs> I think we have hope. I think we have hope. Here's the thing: is Tennessee Tech did go three and nine last year, which, to be fair, for an FCS team, is about on par with how good Kansas is in general. However, <laughs> Kansas yep. did beat Texas. Yep. They did beat Texas. That's true. Man, I'm looking forward to this one just because, like, I feel like no offense, but like, if, if Kansas does win, like every time Kansas wins a game, it's like an event. Like, everybody's talking about it. You know what I mean? So I remember I, when they played Rutgers. That was an event. <laughs> yes. That's what I'm saying, man. So And I'm looking, like, according to ESPN's FPI, uh, they, they give Kansas a 97% chance of winning this one. So I, I don't know, man. Like, I'm rooting for I'm rooting for the Golden Eagles here. Don't get me wrong. but I, it, oh, I mean, I am too, but I'm also realistic. I'm not crazy, guys, about the game. I just, okay. just want to say I'm not going to go to Vegas and, and put 5,000 down or something that's on, uh, you know, the Eagles. But, you know, I can have hope. Wings up. Well, I can have hope. Should. All right, so another game on Friday I wanted to talk about. I actually did not take very many notes on this. I just wanted to touch on it because I think it's interesting because it could say a lot about both teams. Illinois at Indiana. Sorry, Posty, but I actually have an inkling that Illinois is going to run away with this game. Wow. They're going to run away in the sense that in the way a Big Ten team would run away with the game, which means control the game, control the clock, and win by 10 points. Well, this is a better win. It This is a better win a game for Bielema. I mean, Indiana, you know, their coach has begun being on the hot seat. You know, Tom Allen was obviously on the heights, you know, when they won, uh, like, like during the COVID year. I think they went 9-1 or 9-2. It was a year, though. It was a meme season. I mean, it was a, it was, it was a meme season. Yeah. But but regardless of whether you think it's meme season or not, and I'm not going to – I can't decide that for the viewer. That's up for you to decide. But Indiana went from that kind of height to just 2-10 and 10 last season. Yeah. I don't see anything about the ball rolling forward. I think Indiana's going to be back to what they've kind of been, and that's just kind of the tough roll of the dice there. For sure. I'm sorry, Posty, but I think the haters will win on this Yeah. One. I think the haters will win. Yeah, I'm legit I'm legit sorry, Posty. I don't, I don't know why I feel good about Bielema and why I feel I feel high on Illinois. I honestly did not even come into the episode being that high on Illinois, but it's like the more I look at their stat lines no, no. and the more I just see their logo, I just I don't know what it is. I think they'll be yeah. like a solid 7-5 and five team. And that's about their ceiling. So I guess that's pretty good for Illinois. That's how I look at it. But not much more than that. <laughs> well, didn't they get? Didn't they actually get a harder draw of the Big Ten schedule this year than they did last year? Didn't they get a harder draw? Uh, let's have a gander. They're, sort Michigan of. State and Michigan. I don't think they're in the same. They play um, Michigan, Michigan oh, right, State. Right, but, but there's a rotating. There's a rotating cycle. Like if you're yeah. an, if you're a Big Ten West team, there'll be one slot God, where me, it'll rotate yeah. and you'll Dude, play an East opponent. They're like once. <laughs> Week five starts. It's just brutal. They play Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska. That's a win. Michigan State, Purdue, Michigan, Northwestern. I, I, oh, I you say Nebraska. You say Nebraska. You say Nebraska. It'll be a close win if it's Nebraska. It'll it be a be. close win. But I'm saying like Illinois. this team. I mean, they they might go seven and five, but I, I think that's about their ceiling to be honest. Uh, maybe next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he's making improvements, but this this ain't the year. This ain't it. Um, what could be it's, it's, it's a journey. It's a journey. It's, like, it's, it's a not journey. a sprint. Yeah. One other game for Friday night. No, no. One game I want to talk about real quick here that I'm actually like legitimately hyped for is Old Dominion at Virginia Tech. Now recall, recall back in 2018, who can forget when Old Dominion shocked number 13 Virginia Tech, 49 to 35. Um, 
Virginia Tech is currently over only favored by like seven points, according to Vegas. And according to ESPN's FPI, there's a one in three chance that Old Dominion pulls off another upset. I need to issue a quick correction. You said Old Dominion at Virginia Tech. Yeah. It's actually Virginia Tech is playing at Whoa. Old Dominion. Did I make an error? Oh, my goodness. You well, did make an error, but that's okay. Didn't um, they play at Old Dominion last time? What are they doing there as a program? <laughs> Who's like, why is a P5 program playing at Old Dominion? Is this like I? I'm just shocked. Well, they did last time when when they lost. I believe they lost. They didn't lose at home. They lost at Old I Dominion last home. time. Man, that's wild. No, that, I, mean, they, I know Old Dominion is in Virginia, but it is a little weird. But either way, oh, I think the fact that it's at Old Dominion, <laughs> who weirdly enough has like a solid fan base yeah. for an FCS team that just recently became Group of Five Military School. I feel like I'm interested in the game. I'll probably watch it. I don't think Fuente got fired, and I'm not sure who their new coach is. Dude, uh, that's the uh, thing. it's it's. Penn State's defensive coordinator. I looked this guy up. I, I I had never heard of him. His name was Brent Pryor, okay? This guy's like in his 50s. I had never heard of him. It turns out he has never had a head coaching position ever in college football. He's only been like position. He's got a tough job. Coordinator roles. He's got a tough job. He's got a tough job. Virginia Tech has high expectations. He's they never do. been a head coach before. Dude. It looks like he was D.C. at Penn State yeah. since 2014. Like that's, that's legit, but like, man, Virginia Tech, like they're in rebuild mode. You know what I mean? So I, I honestly think at a minimum this is going to be a close game. But in, in my heart, I think Old Dominion wins. I, I, I think really it'll do. be almost be unwatchable. It's going to be ugly. There's going to be some ugly going on this I'm going to be honest. I believe more in Power 5 coordinators that become head coaches more so than I believe in group of five head coaches that make the jump to really? a Power 5 head coach because I've seen so many of those group of five to Power 5 coaching transitions just fall flat on their face. Oh, in the NFL, we've seen some bad – Coach Belichick disciples try to coach. True. Oh, exactly. Man. So I don't think that matters too much, but I think that makes it interesting, the fact that he doesn't have head coaching experience. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Are we ready for Saturday now? I'm ready. It's the big day. Oh, let's the get it. Day. Let's go for it. All right. I guess I'll start it off. We have North Carolina State, number 13, at Eastern Carolina. This is a home game for ECU. And I think that's actually funny because when you think about it, Eastern Carolina, East Carolina is, they're like the North Carolina state of the group of five with like randomly beating good teams. For example, and when they have no business doing it, for example, East Carolina, I remember in 2018, they beat North Carolina 41 to 19, despite themselves going three and nine that year. And honestly, I think North Carolina State is a bit overrated. Very. And I think I think the talk that people are giving North Carolina State may go to their head this offseason. Mm-hmm. And it's like people just assume because North Carolina State is re- returning all this talent that they're just going to take some next step. But it's like we know what this talent is. We know what their ceiling is. Mm-hmm. They've kind of hit it. And I'm sure like it's great to have a senior-laden team, but it's not like you can just assume that they're going to take some next step and all of a sudden become more athletic and taller yeah, and totally more muscular. They're, they're your prototypical eight and four ACC Atlantic team. That's yep. really what NC State is. It's what but Dave Dorn's been his whole time there. The preseason number thirteen and Dude, people don't. Well, I have a conspiracy theory on that. I'm sorry, I have a conspiracy theory about why they're thirteen. Why is that? What's your conspiracy theory? Now I want to know. Well, it's not really that far out there, and I'm kind of memeing when I say it. But Please. but but Clemson's the one that wanted them to be up there at thirteen. Uh, <laughs> there we that. go. <laughs> the powers that be. But yeah, I mean, do you think do you think East Carolina is going to win this? Like, I mean, I think NC State is insanely overrated. But I mean, it's it's East Carolina. I, mean, I don't know. I, don't I know. wouldn't be surprised, but I'm definitely going to watch it. They'll show up at least. Much. They'll show up. They'll. Yeah. Be, uh, I promise they'll show up. It could, it could get interesting. It could get dicey. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it could. Um, any other morning games? Any other eleven o'clock slot games that interest you, boys? If not, I'm willing to move on to the two two thirty slot. Um, in my mind, possibly the biggest game in terms of like impacts on the playoffs, like big picture. Uh, this week is number eleven Oregon at number three Georgia. Now, he- here's the thing about Georgia. Okay, obviously, congrats on winning the national title. Like, feel good story. Indeed. I'm sorry, Randy. Congrats. It was a feel good story. Here's the thing. Okay. Georgia, like, effectively lost their entire defense to the NFL. They're returning just four starters. But perhaps more important than that, they lost their defensive coordinator, who is now the head coach at Oregon. So, like, well... He's going to have the entire playbook. Yeah, the entire playbook. They don't have a defense. (laughs) They don't have a defense. So, and and listen, dude, Oregon, Cristobal, Mario Cristobal may have been a terrible on-the-field coach. Terrible X's and O's guy. 
but he recruited damn well. I mean, they have the number one, sorry, number nine overall talent composite in the nation right now, according to 24-7. That's no joke. That's no joke. This no is an joke. elite team in terms of talent, man. They got five stars everywhere. Um, so, like, they can compete with Georgia in that regard. So, I, in, in terms of talent, they might have a slight disadvantage, but in terms of coaching, I, I think they got it, dude. I think they have the edge. I think I think Oregon wins this one, like, kind of comfortably. I, am, I, am I going crazy here? I don't Crazy because again, this is what I was just talking about a couple games ago, where it's a longtime Power Five coordinator becoming a Power Five head coach, mm-hmm. which I think is now becoming more of the move to make if you're an athletic director rather than hiring a group of five coach because I, they do have more success. It's just the fact that ex coordinators of Power Five programs that were there for a while do have more success, especially immediate success. Yeah. So, I mean, we could just see him step in with this talent and not have any type of adjustment period, just be ready. Yeah. Like, listen, now, I, I, yeah, go, go on, Becca, go on then. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. So I, I was going to say is, believe it or not, I'm an, you know, I'm an Auburn, Ohio State fan, but I'm going to play slightly devil's advocate for Georgia here. Really? Yes, they lost to defensive coordinator Dan Lanning, but Kirby Smart has always been a defensive-minded, oriented head coach. True. So to me, when Dan Lanning was lost to Oregon, it was sort of like they lost their co-defensive coordinator in my eyes because, you know, Mel Tucker was also a defensive coordinator for them before Dan Lanning was. And then, of course, Mel Tucker went to Colorado and then went to Michigan State. But the, the, the point I'm making is, they, yes, they lost the entire defense. But I think Georgia is – I don't, you know, don't want to say the word system. You know, it's kind of, you know, a cliche. But I think Georgia is – I think Georgia is a system defense. It's a good system defense, and I think they're going to plug and play – pretty good they do only return four starters but i think georgia has a pretty ugly first half and then they sort of flex their, their georgia muscles in the second half and win like 28 to 16 i, see that. I think I it's gonna be like that they'll be hangover it'll be a little hangover to also put devil, devil's advocate very quickly before moving on is um oregon played one team all year that plays a very prototypical sec southern style football they played them twice and lost by four touchdowns each game and that was against utah true yeah it was an embarrassment it was an embarrassing end of the year for them i don't know man oregon like as a program has kind of been like on the fringe of being like great like i don't know they they've been kind of embarrassed lately but like Listen, man, like, it's only a matter of time before Oregon becomes, like, the head honcho in the Pac-12. Like, that's how I'm kind of looking at it. And I think this could be, like, a pretty signature win to kickstart this new era um, under Dan Lanning. So, regardless, a lot riding on this game for both programs, both teams. And uh, this should be a pretty exciting one, I think, at a minimum. Yep, just do it. I think so. Just do it. All right. The next game I wanted to talk about was since number 23, Cincinnati, at number 19, Arkansas. Hell yeah, Now, here's the thing with Arkansas. I like Arkansas. I like Sam Pittman. But last year felt like lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be, fair, to be fair, Cincinnati lost, their, lost two of their first-round DBs, and they lost the quarterback. It's going to be a tone-setting game for each team for the whole season. For sure. Listen, I like Cincinnati. And what they did last year was, I mean, obviously deserves a ton of praise. It was extremely impressive. But lest we forget, they lost nine players to the NFL draft last year. That's more than Bama and Ohio State, by the way. So they had, they had an extremely yeah. talented senior roster that they're now going to have to replace. And I think long-term, Cincy is is a legit team. They're a legit program under Luke Fickle. But it's going to be a rebuilding season, in my mind. So though I agree Arkansas is kind of overrated and overhyped, I just I don't know if Cincy can win this one on the road, guys. I don't think they can do it. I don't either, but I will say this. If Arkansas win or, and or if Arkansas wins, people are going to start – I agree with this note I'm seeing in this uh, Google Doc here. I think Arkansas, I think Arkansas might jump up to like number 13 in the poll yeah. for whatever reason if they win this game. They're gonna they're gonna put Arkansas on the fringe ish of the top 10, yeah. and it's gonna be sus to a lot of people. It's gonna be sus. It will be because I don't think they're the real deal. I think they're gonna so, be good, yeah. but not great. All right, are we ready to move on to the night games? Let's let's do it. Let's do it. We got some good ones. Okay, so if we're ready for the nine games, I wanted to talk about number seven, Utah, at Florida. Now, here's the thing. Everybody is predicting Utah, but I really just don't see it for this specific game. I think Utah's going to be great. I think they're going to be about as good as last year. But Florida has this weird thing where every time they have a first-year head coach, we saw it with Mullen, we saw it with McIlwain, we saw it with Muschamp, Mm. where they just have a 
tremendous amount of enthusiasm and have a great first year and oftentimes a great second year where they literally make the SEC championship game and make like a, a New York Six Bowl. They have the seventh overall talent composite. It's at home for them. They're going to be playing in the swamp in early September, which is just hellish, as anybody in the South knows. And they're going to yeah. play with like this. I imagine they're going to play with this reckless abandon and end up winning the game. And here's the thing with Utah. As much as I'm also enjoying their storyline, um, they're like, to a lot of people, it's almost like they're the little engine that could, yeah. which is why people want them. To, it's like people want them to be good. Right. Because, I mean, think about it. They're a group of five team that made the move to the power five about a decade ago. And they're like, they're almost like this team that people want to succeed and become a national powerhouse mm -hmm. simply because if Utah can do it, that means we could do it one day. And, and plus everybody loves cheering for the underdog, right? Right. Right. And they're ranked in a non-underdog fashion. If I could just say my piece, my piece here. So the thing about Utah, in, in my opinion, is they're going to have a great year. And I think Florida is going to just – I was actually going to say the line. You kind of stole it from me, Randy, about first-year Florida head coaches. That's a really good point. Um, that's kind of my thing. I think, I think Florida can pull this upset. And it would be a huge, obviously, just initial step in the right direction for Florida. Although, you know, one game is one game, but – I actually do have Utah winning this game. I think they're going to win it 23-13. I, I mean, I, I could see it going either way, but honestly, I lean towards Florida. Um, and apparently ESPN agrees with me. According to FPI, and this is nuts, according to Football Power Index from ESPN, uh, Florida is favored to win this game 52% of the time, which is just nuts yeah. when you consider this is the number seven team versus an unranked team. Um, so, yeah, in my mind, man, Florida, like – they just have too much talent. That, that's rap. That's rap poison for Utah, though. It is. Yeah, that's gonna fire Utah. It is. They got. They're gonna be fired up. Florida's talented, man. They always are, and they they can beat anyone if they want to. It's just a question of. See, that's the dangerous <laughs> thing about six and six SEC teams is that like it is. There's just so much talent in the South that even a six and six SEC team, if they pull it together for one game, they can beat anybody. I mean, they'll have two draft picks every year on a six and six SEC team exactly. all the time, basically. Uh, should be a good one. Speaking of good games, now uh, I'm going to hand oh, the here we go. Away, but uh, I'd say this is also probably an, like one of the most important games of the week. Number five, Notre Dame at number two, Ohio State. Take it away, that guy. Okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm an Ohio State fan, so you know, inherent bias aside, just disclaimer, disclaimer. But really, <laughs> what I'm looking for in this game is not from. I'm not. I'm not worried about Ohio State's offense as a fan. I, we know what they are. They return a lot of talent. You know, we have Marvin Harrison's son, which is just type alone. <laughs> As wide wide receiver, you know. Yeah. But for Ohio State, it's just it's all to the it's all defensive to me. I, I need to see how this defense looks under the first year defensive coordinator Jim Knowles, who came up from Oklahoma State. You know, there's a lot of hype as far as training camp, but training training camp hype is training camp hype. Right. It's really going to be how we do on, under the bright lights here. Um. So surprisingly, I thought I had a lot to say about it, but that's really all I have to say about it. Well, Offensively, we're going to yeah. score. It's just the defense. If there's one thing about Ryan Day since he took over is has his defenses have gradually been taking steps down since the Urban Meyer defenses. And I remember yep. the Oregon Ohio State versus Oregon game last year. Their defensive line really got pushed around and was a big reason they ended up. Yeah, we didn't get passed on. We got ran over. Exactly. Got, yeah. Now, conversely, I mean. Notre Dame, they're getting a new head coach this year in Marcus Freeman, obviously losing Brian Kelly to LSU. Um, talk about pressure. Like, your very first game as the head coach of Notre Dame is at number two Ohio State. Um, listen, I think Notre Dame's going to be a great team this year. I, I really do. They're very talented, and I, I like Marcus Freeman, at least the personality of him. It's TBD, obviously, oh, he's me a good head too. coach. I love but, the guy. But I, I love his enthusiasm, and it seems like the players like him too. It's just, uh, I think this is a tough, this is a tough, <laughs> tough order, you know. Notre Dame way to lost start. their quarterback, yeah. and they lost their top receiver. Right. And on top of that, like you just mentioned, they lost their coach. Yeah, so I, I don't think this is going to be a great um, great debut for him, but I, I could see them keeping it close. I think they keep it respectable, if that makes well, sense. Well, they were – I mean, they're, they're AP ranked five for yeah. at least a reason. It might yeah. not be a reason we all agree on, but they're ranked in the top five for a reason. For so. sure. I will say this. The line is Ohio State minus 17 and a half. Jesus. And I think Notre Dame smashes the line. I'll give them that. I think they're going to be tough. I think yeah. they're going to be physical. And they're going to kind of get bedded down. I think that's getting bedded down as we speak, personally. Probably. That's, probably, just, that's probably, insane. Probably. For, like, just the idea of number two being favored that much over number five. Yeah. Like, I agree Ohio State's right. legit, but that's, that's a lot. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, it should be, a, should be a great game to cap off the night. And how, how lucky are we as college football fans? We get Thursday games. We get Friday games. Of course, we get Saturday games. But for week one, folks, we get a Sunday and a Monday night game. And they're both actually kind of interesting. Sunday they are. They really that. are. They really Before are. Before we get into that, there is one game I wanted to get into oh, very sure. quickly. I will just touch on it. Please. I have my group of five over power five. I don't want to call it an upset because it's not. Well, it actually is technically an upset. But I always like to pick a group of five over power five game okay. if I see the opportunity. And Boise State plays at Oregon State. Technically, the line is Oregon State minus three. Oh, this would be an upset then. Oh, man. It would be an upset. Oregon State actually went seven and six last year, which is decent, you know, for them. They returned their quarterback, Chance Nolan, who went 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 65% completion, 2,700 yards. So, it's, you know, it's, it's decent. Yeah. And Boise State, their I know offense is legit. Kind of, they've been kind of sus since uh, Harson left, but yeah. I mean, look, they went seven and five last year. They have Hank Bachmeyer, who's a veteran. We'll see. We'll see. No, I think well, Oregon State State's was. offense is legit. Or Oregon State's offense is legit, though. I mean, really? they, they were they scored a lot of points last year. They were one of the better offenses in the whole conference. Defensively, eh, they're okay-ish. I mean, they're they're sort of like on that wake level of defense. But oh, I had one game I wanted to mention really quick: a G five oh, over P five, super it. quick. Go for it. Um, Louisiana, Louisiana Tech is going to beat Missouri. No okay. way! No way! The well, yes, SEC yes, team, way. dude. It's Missouri. I, I mean, <laughs> it was close. They played last year, and it was really close. So Missouri it seems uh, to be the SEC team. Everybody is picking to just crash and burn this year for whatever reason. Well, they won't go two and ten, but I think they're losing to Louisiana Tech. That's my crazy out there G five over P five pick. All right, I'll keep, I'll, I'll keep an eye on that. Uh, speaking of the SEC, here we got a, a, a kind of sneaky, really interesting game Sunday night, like I alluded to earlier. Uh, Florida State versus LSU. Um, I, I think the biggest headline here really will be LSU's new head coach, Brian Kelly, and his family uh, are going to debut against uh, Florida State in what could be a kind of close game. I mean, Vegas has LSU favored, but only by three points. So, Well, they're only favored simply because it's in Baton Rouge. I don't yeah, think they're favored for anything regarding on-the-field talent. Sure. I. Just just LSU, to pop off real quick. Oh, no, you go ahead, Randy. You go ahead. I was going to say, LSU has talent. Um, I mean, they have talent. It's just unorganized, you know. Well, we actually have more to say about this game now because of the fact that, you know, unlike a lot of the teams on the, on the list on, that we've been listing off, we do have a data point on Florida State because they have played one game. True. And But really, Florida State showed us the same thing they showed us in 2021, which is the fact that Florida State was a good rushing team last year. And they basically showed that again, albeit against Dukenzie. But I just – Florida, Florida State – I mean, they're they're going to need to really open up the passing game if they're going to want to win this game because LSU, again, they're still loaded with talent. They still have, you know, they have some good young talent even defensively. Mm-hmm. If Florida State, you know, they can't just run the ball to victory at Baton Rouge. They're going to have to be balanced offensively. I totally agree. Well, well, I think they might be able to. Jordan Travis is a veteran, I think, and he had he went 11 and 15 for 207 yards, which is actually a decent yards per attempt. Quite efficient. Yeah. I think. If he can just make enough plays, he doesn't have to win the game. Right. Play, but if he can make enough plays, and they do have a committee of backs, Florida State does. It wasn't really just one do. running back against well, Duquesne. Treshawn Ward. Treshawn Ward did have 127 yards and two touchdowns. They had three. And the other back, good. they looked solid against Duquesne. Dude, I, right. I know they, it's and Duquesne, the other back played well. They, yeah, they have three three backs with over 100 yards, so they have depth. We Not a lot of teams can well. say that. Yeah, yeah. That's Not impressive. a lot of teams have depth like that. Um, so, I mean, with, with Brian honest. Kelly, I mean, what do you think? Do you think Brian Kelly is going to rally the troops here? Do you think this is going to be an embarrassing first loss? I mean, who do you think wins this I one? think he'll win. I think LSU will be fine. Brian Kelly is a great coach. He's like, he, he's what, uh, successfully coached three programs to, rele- to relevancy. What was it? Central Michigan, Cincinnati, and Notre Dame. True. Yeah. I, my, my thing about Brian Kelly, though, I just, I just want to kind of make this point on this. This is actually an overarching Brian Kelly point, not really a Florida State at LSU point. I think the reason some people are skeptical on Brian Kelly at LSU, it's a culture shock thing, and people just don't see. They're not putting the two Lego pieces together with I don't them. buy it. I'm on buy I, it. I, that's I what I buy. It. I think a winner and a, a winner is a winner, and a hard worker is a hard. No, worker. no, I'm actually agreeing with you. I'm, I'm actually not really at the climax of my point. That that's why some people. I'm playing kind of devil's advocate. I don't okay. agree with the. I don't agree with the Brian Kelly detractors. My, my point is, 
People, you know, say, oh, you know, he lost a big game at Notre Dame. He'd lose to Georgia. He'll lose to Alabama national title. Yes, he lost, like, games like that, but he also got them to big games like that. True. So that's why I'm actually pretty high on Brian Kelly. I mean, I'm not, like, super high about it, but I think some people are really, really too low to the floor on him. I, I, I agree with Randy. He's getting a lot of flack, and he hasn't even coached a snap yet. I admit that and I'm a hater. I'm a hater, so I'd be happy thing. if we were wrong. His, his cringy, like, family comments and all that, it is very cringe and, like, his, like, weird photo shoot thing. <laughs> That's all cringe. Yeah. But none of that is going to matter or ever really be brought. He won't be judged for that. He'll he'll be judged for W's and or L's on Saturday. We're going to make fun of him for it if he loses, but if he wins, we won't make fun of him for it. It won't matter. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So let's be honest. Oh. It would be absolutely hilarious if Water State won this game. Oh, for sure. It, I, I hope it would win. be, but it would also be great for Nor- Norvell. If Norvell won it, it, it would actually be some good press. <laughs> so Yeah, he needs it. He does. He really does need it. All right. Uh, now, Yo, isn't I'm there... ready for the Monday game. I was going to say, yeah, Randy, kick this game. one off. Kick it off, Randy. All I've, been, I've been sitting here shaking, ready to talk about it. We have number four <laughs> Clemson, kind of at Georgia Tech. It's in the Superdome in Atlanta. So, it's I mean, at you know, neutral side. I'm going to need a minute when we talk about this one. It's going to take me a whole minute to talk about this game. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. One thing I need y'all to understand. Jimbo mentions that I have like these like supernatural powers that I'm not allowed to ever be disappointed when I cheer for a sports team. True. But I need I need it to be made clear to Jimbo that my powers take time to work. Okay. The Braves didn't instantly win the World Series. It took a couple years True. for them to win the World Series after I started really paying attention. It took three years after I started cheering for the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis for them to win the NBA championship. Thank you. Thank you. Bama. I was a Bama fan, and I witnessed I witnessed Bama lose to Minnesota in the Music City Bowl in 2003. I've been a fan for a while. So Georgia Tech's not going to instantly be good. So now that we got the supernatural part out of the way, here's the path for Georgia Tech to win this game. Let's just say DJU comes into the season and – even though he's worked in the offseason, whatever, he just doesn't have it. And let's say that being benched in the third quarter simply isn't enough. Perhaps there's a couple bad turnovers. Remember last year, it was a 14 to 8 game. And sometimes, like the first game of the season, can really be a slugfest and there's opportunities for upsets like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, Georgia Tech was already strapped for talent and they lost three great players to the portal. Jeff Collins was kind of an unproven hire, and the transition away from the triple option seems to not be doing so great. And this is year four. I think Georgia Tech will be fine long term. There's lots of wealthy alumni that might care about might care about football, like Jeff Foxworthy and like me. That <laughs> <laughs> um, was good. <laughs> I guess I'll just sort of, I guess, start here about this. I'm not going to talk about Georgia Tech as much as Clemson. Georgia Tech's a hard job and all that. We, we get that. But my thing about Clemson, clearly with them being ranked number four, people think it'll be Clemson returning to the norm. But the only thing about Clemson that I will say is apparently DJ is on a – DJ is on a bit of a tight leash here, a little bit, because Klubnik – know his backup a highly rated recruit if they if George, if clemson has a bad first half against georgia tech he will be benched instantly for klubnik it's it, it's he's on a thin line about it and my main issue with clemson i'm just actually going to sum this up a little bit my main issue with clemson with the new coordinator hires i'm actually their defensive coordinator hire um goodwin uh he was um he basically was a disciple of brett venables i think clemson's defense will be fine i think anyone who's in the same room as Brett Venables as a coach defensively is going to do a good job here. I don't know about that for Clemson, but I thought that they should not have done an in-house hire for the offensive coordinator. I thought they should have went outside. You know, Tony Elliott was really bad last year. He's now the head coach at Duke. You know, Clemson fans wanted him gone anyway. So that's basically a net win for them in the Clemson fans' minds, right? Mm -hmm. So my problem here for Clemson is I thought they should have gone with a new fresh face offensively with an outside hire somewhere, not an in-house hire mm-hmm. of, uh, of uh, Streeter. That's kind of my thing about that, and that, that's kind of what I thought comes should up. But, I mean, I can still be proven wrong. Time's going to tell. No, but I, yeah. I am cautiously cautiously cautious about Clemson. <laughs> I think I, I'll say it now. I will go on the record and say this. Um, the, and I've kind of been saying this on Discord for the last like year, but the, the Clemson dynasty is over. Like, it's, oh, you know, it, it, it officially ended with Brent Venables leaving, 
But this is going to be the game that we're going to look back on like five, ten years from now and say, oh yeah, that's that's the night that Clemson's dynasty died. Um, this this game, like I I respect Georgia Tech, but this game really isn't about Georgia Tech winning. It's about Clemson losing. Um, DJU, in my mind, is is one of the biggest quarterback busts of, of this entire generation. I mean, he was a huge recruit, big time recruit. People forget I the hype. It was insane. He yeah. was like one of the first NIL guys. Remember that Dr Pepper ad? He was like the first yeah. NIL guy. He made like a million bucks off Dr Pepper, and it has sucked. Like, despite everything going for him, despite soft schedules, despite being coached by Davos Sweeney, despite playing with future NFL stars and having an amazing O-line, he has sucked. And he's going to get benched, okay? So the, the game will be won or decided by, you know, whoever comes in to replace him. Um, well, Klubnik, uh, Klubnik. Uh. Club, it, it's, it'll be decided by him, because DJU will not, he will not finish this game full stop. Um, I, I think Clemson fails. I think this is it. I think Georgia Tech's going to win, right? You picked Here's the perfect thing. time. I'm to not buying team. the whole the dynasty is dead. It's done. Things. I'm not buying people, it either. It's I on think the edge, though. It's on the fringe. underestimate the impact of just how bad DJU was last year. Like, all they literally needed was a below average quarterback to be a CFP lock. That's right. all they need is a below they, they went. They won 10 games. But they won barely, 10 games. Barely, despite like, games. The offensive line was. They were struggling. Just the, it's he like went nine touchdowns and 10 interceptions. If they have simply a bad quarterback instead of one of the worst in Power 5, they go to the CFP. I think you're just overestimating their downfall, and I think you're going to find yourself disappointed by almost wanting it to happen. I know you want it to happen. You hate Dabo. However, I got I to gotta say this about Clemson. The offensive line was actually a problem last year in the wide receiver core. The wide receiver core was actually shocking. The wide receiver core was shockingly underachieved under, you know, last year with the last year of Tony Elliott. Like, DJU's pocket presence was actually pretty awful. I, I kind of understand the point about the offensive line because they, no, I agree they with were you. bad. They were just inconsistent. He he has no feet, you know you know like you know you know like quarterbacks who are athletes who are athletes who play quarterback and you say oh he's a great athlete but he doesn't have a feel for the game he doesn't have a feel for the position of playing quarterback to, to me DJ doesn't yeah DJ DJ doesn't have a feel for the position mm-hmm. at least that's how it looked like last year now you know Dabo's been talking a big game about oh it's been a total transformation with DJ we'll see Dabo says a lot of things so. I mean, he's trying we'll to talk see. up his guy and give him confidence, you know. Which I get I that. I mean, he wouldn't say he sucks at the front of the media, right? <laughs> Dabble wouldn't walk into a press conference and say, "Oh yeah, DJ's just totally trash, man." No coach is going to say that. No, co- yeah, even if it's Rick, realistically, he's trash. No coach is going to do that. So of course he'd say DJ's doing well. So you know, we'll see. We'll see. This should be. I, I think again, at a minimum, it should be an interesting game, like worth watching. So. The You're margin of victory is what people are going to look at. If they yeah. don't, if, if if Clemson wins twenty-eight to seventeen, then people are going to crap on Clemson. Yeah, they have to win by a lot because it's it's Georgia Tech. Yeah, with all due respect. Yeah, it's, yeah, with all due respect. He's feeling decent, and here's the thing: if he gets benched and the other guy's just fine, then they'll they'll tough out a win. They're going to have to speak it out, but it is what it is. It is what it is. All right. Um, number four. That is something. And speaking of rankings here, uh, one thing we want to do real quick here to kind of cap off this week's episode was go through our own personal top tens. Um, I prepared my top ten heading to week one, and I know that that guy has as well. Um, I know. I'm pretty excited to hear what you have. So uh, let's just go like <laughs> down, like descending. I'll start with number one. I'll give my one. You give your one. My two. Your two, et cetera. And we can just kind of you know compare and contrast oh. notes as we go on. How's that sound? Awesome, awesome. Um, I guess I'll, I'll kick it off. This might be a shock to some people, but at, at number one, um, I've got I've got the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, I know, I know. Believe Ooh. it or not, I, I'm pretty high on this team. I think uh, I think Bama is pretty good, and I'll leave it at that. I think they're pretty good too. My number one is Ohio State, and, and there's bias, but Biased. I'm, I'm going to back this up. Okay. I'm going to back this up a little bit. The only reason I docked Alabama at number two, the only reason I was going to put them at number one, the only reason I docked Alabama at number two. Is because of some of the losses at the wide receiver position oh. and the fact that their offensive line, while Alabama's offensive line is still good, they don't have depth behind it. Alabama starters' offense on the offensive line are good, but behind it, it gets pretty thin. And Saban actually mentioned that himself. So, you know, if anyone wants to tell me that Nick Saban's wrong about his own team, that's all good and well. But, uh, well, I'm just going to but our wide receiver position is actually, I feel like, going to be better this year than it was last year. We actually have some young guys, which I pay attention to all of, like, the random camp highlights and what Saban says about our receivers. And we actually have had a few receivers really stand out. Uh, Kobe Prentice is one of them. He's a true freshman, and he's going to be starting over some actual veteran guys. So we have talent at receiver. 
Oh, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just young. The only, the, literally, the only reason I put Alabama at my number two, which I guess I just kind of spoiled, whatever. True. The only reason I put it at number two is because of just the new faces. That's literally the only reason. That's fair. Hey, at, at my number two, I've got Ohio State. So um, another another shock. I, I don't think know. it's fair. You can call them one A, one B, or whatever. Yeah, I think it's fair. I'm in in my it. mind, like, is these two teams like they're going to be in the national title? I don't know. Right. I mean, you know, I put Alabama at number two. I don't think they're like scrubs for it. It was literally, I, I literally put them at number two by like a decimal, where like th- in my yeah. mind. Just a, where yeah. I think this gets interesting is three and onward, because um, there there is plenty of room for debate here. At number three, I've got this. This is actually maybe surprising. I've got Notre Dame. I think they're a le- very yeah. legit team. And I just I like Marcus Freeman, guys. I, they're going to lose to Ohio State, but I think they're going to go like eleven and one and probably be in the playoffs. Oh, I mean, I like him too, but it's just I mean, boy, that, I mean that that's a big seat that he's filling in for, and there's just a lot the line on the line in uh you know this season just as far as expectations because you know Notre Dame's ranked so high. But fair enough, that's something. Wow, fair enough. My number three matches the AP poll. My number three is Georgia just oh. simply because you know they won it last year. I mean, it's it's that's my boring spot, but the rest one. of my list gets more entertaining. I swear. Okay. I understand in Georgia, but here's the thing with Notre Dame is that. <laughs> Actually, looking at their schedule, it's very winnable. After Ohio yes, State, it's it very winnable. Their toughest games are going to be BYU, Clemson, and USC. But, like, here's the thing, man. Like, those are winnable games, and if they beat them, like, if they beat Clemson and USC, uh, that's going to, like, give them so much credibility. Even if they're not that great of teams, even if Clemson and USC have down years, like, beating big-name programs like that. I, I'm telling you, dude. Notre but, Dame, like, if they go eleven to one, they just in. don't have a. They just don't. I, I think they have no margin error, though. I think if they go eleven and one, they're barely out because of the fact that you know if yeah, BYU is not good, if BYU is not good, for example, they'll dock that against Notre Dame. Like, do, do they play Stanford too? Still? Yeah, they do play Stanford too, but it's Stanford. Well, it's Stanford. it is Stanford. It's Stanford. So that's the thing. I don't. I don't think Notre Dame has a margin of error. I don't think they can lose a game and get in. That that's just my early we'll opinion. We'll see. Uh, yeah. I'll be honest, beyond this, like, it gets rough, like, and I really had a hard time deciding this, um, and number four, I've got Oklahoma under the new head coach, Brent Venables, um, I, I don't think they're gonna be great, but, like, looking at their schedule, dude, and in the Big 12, I just don't see really anyone challenging them too much this year, I think they're a playoff team, they're my fourth playoff spot, um, heading into the season, listen, they have, they just have so much talent, and I think having a good, like, defensive coordinator mind, um, is going to do wonders in the Big 12 because no one plays defense there other than Baylor. And I, I think with their high-flying offense and a decent defense, they're going to be a playoff contender. I, I agree personally. Um, it's just, you know, the thing about the thing about Oklahoma is it's just that they always have the talent every year. And, and you know, the biggest down with the Big 12 is TCU so bad. True. You know, Kansas is so bad. Kansas State is who always who knows. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, I guess I'll just tell you my uh, number four, right? We're at number four? Yes, we are. Yep. My number four is Notre Dame, actually. Hey. Uh, oh, God. That, that's that's my thing. So, <laughs> well, I've already said my piece about Notre Dame. Yeah, you think I feel like I'm that I understand Oklahoma at four because this is not the third time in this episode I'm bringing it up, but I really am high on the whole Power Five, longtime Power Five DC straight to head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, coaching opportunities that are being seen. I feel like he's going to have success and he's not going to be, he's not going to take a step back. He's not going to have right. to get used to anything. He, yeah. They're going to be ready. And I think the reason, just I guess to real quick build off that point, I wanted to say this for a while. I think the reason is because, like, if you're going from like Clemson to Oklahoma or like from Georgia to Oregon, like, you're used to the spotlight. You know what I mean? Like, you've played for national titles. And so, like, you know, being been on highly ranked like, teams, yeah, yeah, coach, like yeah. it's not gonna be new. Like for, but for like a G five guy goes to like a big name program like Texas or something, it's a different world, man. Like it's just a different type of environment. You know what I mean? Yeah, we saw how that panned out for sure. Exactly. So I digress. Um, I'll, I'll, at number five, I've actually got Oregon. Um, I I think they're gonna be legit this year, dude. I I really like them. They're my favorite in the Pac twelve. I don't think they're a playoff team, but man, that talent. That talent, I, I think they're going to start to really pick the program, uh, pick up the pieces that Cristobal shattered. <laughs> you, know, you know, my number five is actually sort of on the flip side of uh, Oregon. I got Utah number five. Oh, right. I, okay. I, I actually believe they squeak out the Florida game and then they go on a run. But they still are a one-loss team, in my opinion. Utah will end up being a one-loss team. I mean, I honestly, I know I'm playing, I'm, I'm a fence sitter on this one by saying this, but... I could see justification for both teams. I know I really should make a decision, but I'm going to be honest. I feel like, Jimbo, you have won me over wow. to Oregon. I've been skeptical on them because I remember in the last episode that we recorded, 
They were one of the teams that I wanted to put as my most overrated, but I just left them off. Yeah. But I think you've won me over. I really am. The more I think about it, the more I look into them. I like the Dan Lanning move. I like their talent composite. Yeah. I like what they have going. And I feel like that game at Georgia is going to be very interesting. That's going to make or break it, it seems. But yeah, I got to get it. Yeah, yeah, it's will be fine. They'll be good. They'll go on a run, like you're saying. I, I believe that. Even if they lose to Florida, I think they go on a run. I, I will agree. Yeah, with that. either I think they either win on win again, win you know beat Florida, go on a run, lose on lose Florida, go on a run. I think there's a run either way. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right, yeah. and, and number six, this is going to be kind of shocking, but I, I really do believe in this. I've got Ole Miss. I've got Ole Miss well, at number oh, six. No. I genuinely believe. A... Yeah, yeah. No, Lane Kiffin is the second best coach in the SEC. Um, he's going to have the second best offense in the SEC. They would probably win the SEC if it weren't for Bama this year. They are so underrated. It boggles my mind. I love this team. I love their uniforms. I love Lane Kiffin. I love their culture. Everything they have going for them, dude. They're talented. They play with passion and intensity that other SEC teams wish they had. Give me Ole Miss at six. They just can't drop the gimme games. I mean, Ole Miss, for some reason, Ole Miss lost to Auburn last year. Like, uh, you know, and they made bad coaching decisions in the loss. So really, True. if Lane Kiffin can stay out of his own way in, in a lot of games, they should win the gimme games like, you know, Auburn and yeah. et cetera. So I think they're a nine-win team or more. I think they're going to be a nine-plus team. Brandy, your thoughts on this? Here's the thing. I, I almost want to agree, but the reason I don't, is, and the reason I wouldn't have them in the top 10 is because there's just too many mouths to feed in the SEC West. It's such a stacked division that True. not every technically great team on paper can, you know, rise to the top like that. Right. That's fair. We'll and, see. Ole Miss also doesn't, and Ole Miss also doesn't play defense. That's another problem. That's why I like them. They were actually decent last year. Lane Kiffin defenses are actually not horrible. Hmm. Well, it's, it's just, you know, Auburn scored 30 and Arkansas scored 51. <laughs> And you know Arkansas no, wasn't bad, but but Auburn scored thirty, so that's kind of says all the things to be said. Just keep an eye, <laughs> keep an eye on Lane. That's all I'll say. Who's who's uh, who's your number <laughs> six? That guy. My number six, and this is going to be a little bit of a uh, why do you have them at six? Okay. I have Clemson at six only because of the defense. The defense is going to carry them to an ACC Atlantic title, and and Clemson will be going to Charlotte to battle for the ACC crown. Holy cow. Fair enough. Like I said, I think people just underestimate right. the, uh, the impact of how bad DJU was and how detrimental right. it was to the team. But they're my, still talented. Already, they're still loaded. Talent. I've already said my piece on DJU and all that, so I'm not yeah. gonna say it again. That's fair. Number seven. All right. all right, number seven. Again, I'm keeping the I'm keeping the hot takes coming here, boys. I got Penn State. I think they're the second best team in the Big Ten. They are extremely talented. Um, they're, they're basically neck and neck with Michigan in terms of talent. And I think uh, I think James Franklin has a lot to prove this year. I think he has a lot more to lose than, say, um, Jim Harbaugh does over at Michigan. And I think, listen, dude, I'm looking at their schedule. Uh, it's very backloaded, so I think they start out hot. I, I'm not saying they make the playoffs. I'm not saying they even beat Ohio State. But this is a Rose Bowl team. This is a, a New York Six kind of team. And they're going to start making some statements starting this week against Purdue. I think so, too. I, I think they I think they probably are going to use the ammunition of not being ranked in their oh, yeah. favor. Rat poison, dude. Rat poison. Yeah, it's 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 legit rap poison. Same thing with Utah yeah. being not favored, really. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my number seven, uh, my number seven is Oklahoma. It's just you know for the reasons I've already been mentioned. There's really nothing to say about that. It's Oklahoma. They're my number seven. <laughs> that's totally fair. Totally fair. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. My thing with Penn State is I actually agree with a lot of your points, but I almost feel like you're overcorrecting for their situation <laughs> last year. I really do because like I think I can see them like around fifteen, but I don't know about that high. I can agree with that just as easily though. I, I can easily agree with Penn State. You can put them anywhere between ten and twenty five and that's where they should probably be. Probably unranked <laughs> is criminal. That's how I'm looking at it. So I'm I'm gonna overcorrect. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I'll keep it in the big ten for number eight then, and this is maybe a little less hot. I have Michigan at number eight. Um again for similar reasons as Penn State. They're they're like neck and neck in terms of talent. I think Jim Harbaugh proved a lot of doubters wrong last year, uh, and I think they have a good season this year. Not obviously quite as high as last season. I don't think they beat Ohio State, but they should be a very solid team, like a, like a, a solid number three team in the Big Ten and, and easily a New York Six team uh, come December. Yeah, I agree. Um, now, my number eight is a little is actually probably the most shocking on my list so far. Okay. 
I think Oklahoma State does it again and gets and, 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 and gets real close to it because there's something about Oklahoma State. When people don't think about them, that's when they're at their best. When Like last year, Oklahoma State was kind of ignored for the front half of the season, and then they just boom, popped off. I think they're going to do that again. I'm not saying they're going to win the Big 12, but they're going to – if they lose the Big 12, it'll be by barely. I, I think they're going to be that good. Because uh, we have a couple Oklahoma State fan listeners, so hopefully yeah. they like that take. Yeah, I could say Oklahoma State. I actually like that because they've been a very solid program, and they're probably going to be the top of the Big Twelve uh, once Oklahoma and Texas are gone. Which so, says more about the Big Twelve, admittedly, more than you know anything. <laughs> yeah. else, I mean, but, it does, but Oklahoma State is—they're still solid, you know. Right. Like and, can, and Kansas State's going to be a hard game either way for both these those teams. That's true. The thing with Michigan is I wonder how much the whole offseason drama and the whole how badly they got beat down is going to play into their heads, how badly they got beat down by Georgia. And the fact that if you remember in the middle of the offseason, Harbaugh was actively trying to take the Vikings job. He was. That's true. And then all of a sudden it didn't work out. They didn't offer him. And then he's I like, all right. Well, Part of that was probably bargaining, though. I feel like he just wanted to pay a raise at Michigan was using it as leverage right. to an extent. I don't know. I don't look too much into that, but I, I get it. The big question at the end of the day will be like, how do they respond to the success? Right. Like for the, for one year, Harbaugh finally kind of so up not only the success. I want to point out, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, not only the success, but the extreme disappointment of it's not that they lost. It's how they lost. They got blown. They were it was never close. It was 34 yeah. to three. I mean, Georgia was <laughs> right. obviously really good, but yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> you know, and, and just one more thing on Michigan. Sure. There's also some disappointment among some people. And, you know, I've, I've been kind of right and wrong on this. Their 2023 class is, you know, if you go all the way 24-7 ranks, it is not that great. You know, the blue chip ratio is pretty good, but, I mean, they're they're in, like, the the, the teens as far as rankings, like the like the high teens. So I, f- I forgot that's bad to you guys, but heaven forbid. Well, uh, well, it's just, you know, Michigan, you know. You're not going to win championships with that. I get that. I get that. Yeah, you're, you're not. I mean, their blue chip ratio is good, so it's not a totally bum class, but just saying. I get that. Um, at yeah. number nine here, I will bring it back to the Big 12 here. With my maybe favorite to be in the Big 12, I, I ranked Oklahoma higher, but I've got number nine Baylor. Um, I think if any team's going to dethrone Oklahoma this year in the Big 12, it is Baylor. Um, I, I love Dave Aranda. I, I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in the nation. I'm kind of biased because he was a defensive coordinator at Wisconsin for a while. But, man, you just listen to him. He just seems like such a – just like intelligent guy. Like, like one of the smartest coaches in the game. And I think long-term, dude, Baylor – like we were just talking about Oklahoma State running the Big 12 once OU's gone. I think Baylor might be, man. Like this is a team to look out for like long-term. That's what I think, too. I mean, and as far as, like, money, you know, if you believe in the whole bag stuff, which, you know, if you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. That's up to you to decide. Listen, Baylor Ooh. Baylor has bags. Baylor is, like... Chip and Joanna. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Chip and Joanna. I got the HGTV money, dude. <laughs> yeah, so so Baylor, recruiting-wise, they're going to be relevant. You know, I don't care. I don't, I don't even care what their 247 composite, whatever is right now. Yeah. Baylor's going to be very good down the line. I, I agree on Baylor. I really do. I just good stuff. They're set. But my number nine is uh Michigan. We and we already kind of spoke hey. on Michigan, but that's my number nine. <laughs> what I will say about Baylor is they did lose a bunch of talent, and I would be curious to see if Dave Aranda's system can be plug and play. And here's again for the fourth time this episode, I'm bringing this up. He's yeah. a power five coordinator. Yeah. I see it specifically with defensive coordinators that do this and succeed. Yeah. Power five defensive coordinator that straight up took a power five head coaching job and is immediately successful. Mm-hmm. Does not have to have an adjustment period. He was the defensive coordinator at both Wisconsin and LSU and for a while at each program. Yeah. Very good at Wisconsin, by the way. Loved him. Really Very good. good. Loved him. Yeah. But uh, well, well, to finish it off here at number 10, um, people are going to say this is really underrated, but I, I, I couldn't really think of who to put at 10, but I think I had to include them. I got Georgia. Um, listen, I, I, I've been kind of ragging on them. I think Georgia goes like a 9-3 and three this year, but it's still top 10, if that makes any sense. Like they're just they're so me that's insanity. But it's I think they kind of go back to Georgia of old, which is like super talented, but just dropping random games. I think they're just going to drop like random games. Um, because I, I, I don't know, man. I just, uh, last year was, I got them 11 and one. That's what I got. I got them 11 and one. They either lose a dumb game to Auburn that they shouldn't lose. I can see them losing that, which they better not, or they'll lose to South Carolina, it, which is a, game. which is, uh, yeah. they're going to lose a dumb game. They're going to lose yeah. a dumb game. It, it, I think it'll be only one, but it's going to be a dumb game. They're going to lose it. I think they lose three. I guess that's the difference here. I think they lose several dumb games. Right. Randy, Randy, your thoughts. 
I can see it. I can see it because just because of how much talent they're losing, and I get it. Georgia has a good system, but they are going from. I don't think people realize how senior stacked they were last nuts. year. Yeah, it was insane. Probably one of the most senior laden teams in college football history. Really, they return their tight end though. Brock Bowers is coming back. But they have one, okay. Their offense is going to be just what it is. Their offense is actually the the the. They're going to be better this year. I, I think Georgia's offense is going to be better this we'll year. We'll see. We'll see. But I'm just going to be curious take. how the defense becomes plug and play. All right, we'll see though. Uh, that guy uh, finished it off. Who's your number ten? Uh, for my number ten, I'll just say really quickly. Have you guys all noticed that Texas A&M is not in any of our top tens? Yes. So I'll just let y'all think yes. on that. <laughs> No, I'm no, not gonna no. allow. I'm not gonna elaborate further, but that's all I'm gonna say. But my number ten is Oregon. Hey. <laughs> hey. Okay, good. Yes, <laughs> I just want to point in so people are gonna be asking. No, you know, why I, I made sure not to include them because I think they're gonna finish like eight and four. And yeah, I think yeah. it's ridiculous. Oh, I think it's ridiculous. They're higher than Utah, if you ask me. But yeah, can we not know, talk whatever. about relevant programs? Talk about what? We're talking about irrelevant programs. I'd rather talk about Oregon. Okay, that's it. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, but, no. but yeah, Oregon number 10. That's Good all stuff. I got. That guy, that was a solid list. And uh, I got to say, I, I really appreciate you coming to the show today. Uh, it was fantastic. Oh, ab- it's been awesome. I've loved it. This has been amazing. Yeah, I love talking college football. Yeah, no, thank you guys so much. I love this. This is great. I know for later in the season, we'll probably get you and we're going to have more guests because we like to have a uh, more quick style pick them later in the season. But we really liked yeah. having you for this episode because we really wanted to go deep into the games, considering there's just so many oh, amazing man. week one games. Amazing game. I'm so hyped. This this weekend's going to be something else. It's going to be an amazing Thursday, an amazing Friday, an amazing Saturday, an amazing Sunday, and an amazing Monday, all of college football oh, games. So like the, start, the first weekend of college football is always the best. It is. It is. It's it super is. So, yeah. Looking forward to this. And, uh, yeah. God damn, am I excited? I'm sorry. I'm like just smiling, looking at the schedule again here. It's been too long, guys. It's been too long since we've been to stadiums and whatnot. So, looking forward to this weekend. Um, until then, this has been another round of the Jim Podcast. Thanks again, that guy, Randy. And uh, as we say around here, hook your hornets. On Wisconsin. Oh, oh, guys. <laughs> <laughs>